Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this day of rain, of calm, of peace, Lord. We thank you because we have peace with you through your Son, Jesus Christ, who has given us his inheritance. That we can gather here as brothers and sisters in him to enjoy the first fruits of a new creation as we taste heaven today, as we hear the word preached taught, as we taste the gospel at the table, as we fellowship with one another, Lord, bring to us a grateful heart, a joyful heart, strengthen our bonds as we go through your scriptures to learn more about you and how to die to our sin. Be with us today, in Christ's name, amen. All right. Yeah, the kids can go to their Sunday schools. All right, so last week, just to recap, I like to do recaps and kind of keep the material fresh in your mind as you go through your week. Last week, we saw God through the Sabbath, right? We've been spending some time, or Michael, Dr. Michael Morales, kind of paints a broad, broad brush picture of the creation narrative, and we see, and we saw last week the Sabbath, and how God establishes a standard of life in all that He makes, right? We've discussed truth, manner, and time, right? How God speaks truth, but the manner is equally important to that truth, and not everything is done immediately. There are things that go through a process, and that is very, very godly. And with the process, we saw that God establishes seeds. He doesn't just make everything in, in one day or make everything completely developed. There's a seed, there's a growth, and there's a full fruition, right? We see that picture of a tree in Psalm 1. We see the tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life both in Genesis and in Revelation. And we see this imagery of Depending on God, waiting on God, trusting in God through the season, in season, out of season. And we see the Sabbath, the work, the assessment, and then rest. We have these in threes, right? How God moves and establishes who He is that we can then see and reflect our own lives. So the Sabbath, is, we saw that it's set apart as holy. Because what God has made, thus is worthy of honor and glory. And we saw in passing, Hebrews chapter 4, though we didn't read the chapter, how Christ fulfills this entering the rest of God because He is the last Adam. He begins a work. He completes the work. He is assessed as good. And He enters the rest. And we get to enjoy that on a day like today. Now, moving from that, we see God is transcendent. He is over creation. He is speaking things into existence, right? But we see that there is distance, right? That there's a distinction between the creator God and the creatures and all the environment he's making. But now things kind of move in a little closer, right? I'm going to reread the quote from Dr. Morales that I ended the last week. It says, while being made in the image of God, both 
qualified and commissioned Adam, commissioned Adam to rule caringly over the house of creation on God's behalf. Yet the chief delight and privilege of such likeness to God was in humanity's unique ability to gaze heavenward, to lift our faces to God and relate to him. No other creature could enjoy such friendship with the eternal. So in one sense, we have the transcendental God, but what's contrary to, what's the juxtaposition of, of transcendence? Anybody have an idea? Is what? I'm sorry? Imminence. Imminence. So God is above, he's speaking, but now God moves into this role imminent, with an imminent presence when he makes man. Right? Now let's let's look at this this proximity. We're gonna we're gonna park we're gonna park on Genesis two. Verse 7. Dan, can you look for that verse? Genesis 2, verse 7. Jackie, can you look for Numbers, chapter 12, verses 1 through 9? And Michael, can you you look for Matthew 5, verse 1? So, Dan, read uh, Genesis 2, verse 7. Mm. So we see that God condescends into what he has made. And he forms man, and he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, the ruach. That's the word in Hebrew for the Spirit of God. The same Spirit who hovered over the waters, who acted God's command and making all things, is the same one that breathes in this, this mouth-to-mouth Imagery. That's not shared with the rest of creation. Jackie, do you have Numbers 12, 1 through 9? Okay, so before we read that, now we're going to look at it from a negative. Right after the fall, how does God value this close mouth-to-mouth relationship that we had at the garden and that we will recover with Christ? Go ahead. So we see that there are layers of revelation 
there in Numbers chapter 12, while all of Revelation in the scriptures is the same and carries the same weight, but according to Numbers chapter 12, after the fall, this relationship that we had in Adam, Genesis 2-7, this Ruach's breathing into your nostrils, the breath of life, and it's this intimacy and proximity, this relationship of peace and love and harmony with God. We lost it at the fall, and then God says to Miriam, with the rest of you, I give you dreams. <laughs> I give you some measure, okay? But with Moses is something very particular. Again, is this mouth-to-mouth image of God having a special relationship with this figure and Moses that is ultimately fulfilled. Matthew 5, 1. Go ahead. There we go. There we go. Exactly. Then we get the picture of how we are to enter the kingdom of heaven in poverty of spirit. So the first thing that we see in this little verse, if you pick up on the Gospel of Matthew, it's speaking to a Jewish audience. And this image of going up into the mountain is calling back to Moses. And going up into the mountain, that stormy cloud, Exodus 19 of coming down the distance, the proximity, God is seeking to bridge the gap. But he has to do so with thunder and cloud and smoke. All these images of danger, of holiness. But here comes Christ, the tabernacle among us. And he speaks to the disciples and ultimately to us in his word, mouth to mouth. Every time you come here, every time we're together, every time we hear Pastor Proctor or whoever's preaching exposit the word of God, is God speaking to you mouth to mouth? Do you understand the significance of that? That's ah, that, that alone is worth waking up at 6 a.m. and coming here to serve, to hear the word of God so close to come and enjoy this peace that we have. So that animosity in Numbers 12, as, he, as Yahweh starts to say, you guys, no, him. And then Christ, and through Christ, all of you, all of the people of God, come around, come around me, come around me. Be in my midst. I don't know about you, but that's, to me, it moves my heart. So we see, back to Genesis 2, we see the image of God, we see how he condescends, he is imminent in his creation, he is personal, he has this close mouth-to-mouth relationship with man. And we also see the sanctuary setting, and we are starting to move into the context of man's probation. And we're going to discuss a little further more of, of Genesis chapter 2. But we see that the, the image of God is central. You notice the pattern in Genesis 1.27. It says, and God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male, female. He created them. What do we notice in that pattern, in that structure? Do we remember Exodus 3? Right? For those of you who, heard, who were at the Sunday school. We looked at Exodus 3 and we saw the mighty works 
of Yahweh and redemption are the prologue to the revealing of his name as Yahweh. And then after the revealing of his name, the mighty works are repeated as the name is at the center, right? And we see it in Genesis 1.27. And God created man in his own image, and it begins the next clause. In the image of God, he created him. Image bearing is central. So we pay, we pay close attention to that. So in Genesis 2, 7 through 9, verses 15 through 17, we have the sanctuary garden and the beginnings are the setting of man's probation. In, in verses 7 through 9, formed the man from the dust of the ground. So this forming, what does it remind you? Does it spring up an idea? What, what is... What is God trying to illustrate with this forming and sculpting of man? What is he in that illustration? Any ideas? A what? Very good, yes. Very, very much so. Potter. In the ancient Near East, that's the common, the common way, the common vocation of creation of things. It's this pottery making of things, right? And we see how... The Apostle Paul picks up on this imagery. Does that ring a bell with anyone? What chapter? Romans? Romans 9. Why we're all Calvinists, right? <laughs> or most of us. Is this, 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 this idea, doesn't the potter have a right over the clay to make some of common use and some of special use? Right? So Paul is drawing back from the theology of Genesis of God forming man from the dust. That's important. Because this is God anthropomorphically, but showing us what are the pictures he's trying to give you so you can relate to him. Right? The dust of the ground, like Jackie said too. The Hebrew word for ground and man is actually a wordplay. Ground in Hebrew is adamah. And man is Adam. There is a relationship between you and the soil. You and the soil where you were created. You know, we live in a day, this is a little bit tangential, but take it for what it is. It, we live in a day where the soil is being avoided in many, in many respects, where we are living our lives on social media or whatever it is that we're doing on the internet and fighting and bickering and all this, uh, occupying our time in the ether of the internet. That's the age that we are living in. What are the effects that we see when we depart from this soil relationship? Not just with the ground, but with each other. It's an organic relationship. Yeah, we are made to be earthly creatures engaging in the earth with our people, with our jobs, Right? It's in the contact with the ground that we are reminded of our finitude, right? Oftentimes we are, we have a bunch of pictures in our head and we're going through a lot of stuff in our head and that's not reality. It's not, it's not until you engage that you start to think, well, maybe, maybe I, I was wrong about the things I was thinking about X person or X situation until you engage in it. You are not to be Apart from it, in isolation somewhere, in a fake world. That's not your call. That's not your design. You are created for the ground, on the ground, and everything organic that flows from it in the world. 
So don't live under a bunker or in a bunker, right? We are meant to be with each other, and that's how we are sanctified, and that's how we grow into the image of God. Isolation is such fertile ground for sin. made very good we're going to go into very good we're going to go into the distinctions although in passing once we reach the testing first i just want to paint a broad brush stroke about what we share as image bearers both men and women but yes he creates he forms man from the ground and from adam he makes eve he doesn't create eve in the same manner right how did does anybody have any idea, just to throw it out there, why? Very good, that's it. Adam is our federal head. Adam, God establishes a relationship with Adam, and from Adam, we are all in him. Okay? And his dealing with Adam is his dealing with us. So that's also uh, covenant theology. But this is not a covenant theology class. <laughs> Because we wouldn't, we wouldn't leave Genesis. <laughs> we wouldn't get out of this. Uh, I don't want to get out of this, but I, I want this to be pointed and memorable for you, brothers and sisters. But yes, that's good that you're thinking in those terms, though. So you can understand there's a distinction in how Adam is made and how the rest of creation, even in Adam, is, is differently made as well. Right? Okay. Uh, this breath of life, it signifies the Spirit's activity. Okay, that breath of life is the ruach that was hovering over the waters, is now breathing life in man. It's the same spirit that calmed the waters after the Noahic flood. It's the same spirit that pierces the waters in the baptism of Israel as they march out of Israel, um, Egypt, sorry. Same spirit that parts, forms, shapes, harnesses is there. With us. What else is God breathed? Anybody? I hear I heard something. Scripture. Right? That's the that's the that's the Greek word theanustas. Right? It is God breathed. Second Timothy three sixteen, if you have the that's the image that, that Paul is trying to again, he's trying to remind you all these things are so enriched by the Old Testament. Revelation, Paul, the disciples, they're all using these themes and pictures and illustrations that we should be familiar with. And we're not making it up out of thin air. <laughs> right? In verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. This is interesting because that word in Hebrew, the keep, is the same word that is used in Genesis 3.24. Alex, can you read Genesis 3.24? And Jackie, can you look for Numbers chapter 3, verses 6 through 8? (laughs) 
So to guard is the name shamar, is the term shamar, right? To keep, to guard, and we see the cherubim are there to replace man because you failed to keep the garden. When the threat approaches, we don't understand where does this serpent come from, why is he doing what he's doing, but he's a threat. And part of what God designs to test man and assess him as good is through this probation. It's not only that his design is good. Is are you going to work? And are you going to be assessed as good doing that work? And are you going to enter the rest with Yahweh? And God very much focuses this work that Adam was to do. There are other things that he's doing we're going to discuss here that he's already doing and taking dominion and subduing creation. Yes. So we start to see God is pointing. Your work is to slay the evil one. Crush his head. Okay? That, that aggressive. Crush his head. Don't listen to one word. You listen to my word. Remember that imagery of when God is walking as a flaming fire in Exodus 3 and he calls Moses. And what does Moses say? Here I am. Quickly. There's no, who's, who's talking? Why? What was happening? And with the same thing, the same picture we see in, in the book of 1 Samuel, as Samuel is called. Samuel, huh? he wakes up. He does it three times. Why? He wants to see, are you going to respond when I call you? And when I call you, are you going to come with the same passion? Are you going to drop everything that you were doing? Because I am the most important person in your life. Yahweh, your God. Adam was to slay this dragon for the lies he serves. He doesn't, he's not to negotiate. He's not to see what good there is in what he's saying. None of it. And we see that the crushing is done by who? By Christ. How? By this humiliation. This loving, compassionate sacrifice. He aggressively crushes the enemy. They're not antithetical. Okay? Let's not be afraid of that. Okay? The compassion that Christ showed was the crushing, violent crushing of the enemy for his betrayal. Numbers 3, verses uh, 6 through 8. I'm sorry. Very good. I'm sorry. Keep going. Yeah, to the verse of verse 8. Very good. That word shamar in Hebrew is used there as well. So Genesis 3.24, that guarding, same term that's used for the Levites in their priestly work. So Adam is a priest in a prefigured temple. Now, verse 16, man's moral responsibility. In Genesis, we're going back to Genesis 2, verse 16. 
Man has a moral responsibility. God demands obedience to his commands. Man is to live according to the Lord's standard of work. Remember that. Work, assessment, rest. So God is setting up the table and saying, we'll see what you're made of. Right? There's an enemy. There's a defiler. And he's coming. And he's cunning. And he's crafty. Right? And he's setting up this, this probation to see if man will obey both personally perfectly to God's commands. And we see that reflection in the first table of the law. When, when God gives the first table of the law, it's all about your thinking, your orientation. How are you, orient, how are you living your life? How are you thinking? How is your heart? Right? You shall have no other gods before me. You're thinking in line of, my life is lived under the rule of God for the glory of God and nothing beside God. Don't imagine things. Don't make graven images. But the graven images is your imagination leads to a lot of bad stuff. After the fall, God creates imagination. It's beautiful. That's part of our design. But once we sinned, the imagination is... It makes for a lot of different bad stuff. We use it for the wrong ends. And we see the imagination in the deception of each of the patriarchs. We see the deception in Abraham as he seeks to, okay, how am I going to get rid of this situation with Pharaoh? And then he he goes with Sarah and says, you know, this is what we're gonna, this is what we're gonna lie. This is how we're gonna lie to this guy to see if we can get out of this situation. Okay? We're gonna we're gonna say you're my sister, and because you're beautiful, they'll take you and I'll be saved. Imagination. You are not your own. You are not to scheme things that, are not, that is not in accordance with the will of God. See, those are thinking and believing in your heart, that first table of the law. And then it flows out of the second table. So whoever is living according to God in heart, word, and deed, is not going to murder, is not going to lie, is not going to bear false testimony, is going to honor their father and their mother, is not going to covet. Christ is the only one who does these things. Verse 19, it points to Adam begins to work, look at this, according to the standard of life set by God, in what? In giving names to the animals. He begins a work, and God is there, right? And each name he gives, this is not, this is not like a zoo and, you know, we're putting in the names of the animals and it's, and it's great. No, there's more to it. It's not just, it's the concepts that are behind it. Remember, who names creation? It is God. He is the sovereign one, the ruler, who speaks all things into existence. And Adam is living according to God and he's speaking the names of these animals. He is speaking the will of God as a prophet. He is revealing the word of God and the animals are to take the names because he is the vice regent. So we see the threefold office in the setting already happening. Adam is speaking God's will. He begins with the animals and it outworks and it will outflow into the creation of cities. He is to guard Shammah. He is to guard the temple sanctuary from defilement. From the evil one, the serpent crafty one. And he is to rule 
over creation as God's vice region. In the Middle Ages, Middle Age, uh, the Middle Age theology of making a distinction between image and likeness, image was more referred to a king's image that you put at city limits. The king would place his face and saying, this, from this point on, this is mine. That was the ancient Near, Near East practice. It was the face of the ruler. That image was pointing to that for middle, middle-aged theologians. And the image and the likeness, I'm sorry, the likeness was the relationship with God. The likeness was the intimacy, was the gazing heavenward and having this close relationship with the God of creation. So we see the threefold office already happening. And it's leading up to this confrontation with the serpent. So in summary, we're going to drop it here. God condescends to make man in his image to have dominion over the earth. Adam and Eve are to work after God and in the same manner. It's important. Remember, truth, manner, time. Be assessed as good and enter into their rest with God. Adam is declaring God's will as a prophet with naming the animals. He is to guard the presence of God as a priest, and he is to rule over the earth as God's vice regent. All of this in two chapters. <laughs> I know. But we read the two chapters, and, and it's often the case. We're like, how do we get so much out of this? Well, The rest of the Bible reveals in a negative light. When I say negative, after the fall, you start to unpack the pieces of what went on there in a few verses that you're probably going to pass by, and then God starts to remind. There's a pattern. There's a pointing back. And we hear it with Pastor Proctor as he goes through Leviticus. This pointing back to the garden. This pointing back to this harmony, this relationship between God and men and the layers that we lost, but that we can now appreciate and gain in the person of Jesus Christ. All right? I think I'm done. Anybody, any questions? Okay. Let's pray. Our Lord and God in heaven, we thank you because you have purchased for us a salvation that through your perfect work, your sacrifice for us, that you took the burden of our disobedience, our lack of living up to the call, that God created us to be. Hear, hear us, O oh God, in a day like today, that we remember our King. Help us to ground our identity, everything, our emotions, our thoughts in Him. For He defeated the wicked serpent. And He is submitting all of His enemies as a footstool for His feet. Right now, ruling and reigning at Your right hand. Help us, Lord, to live according to him. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.